Welcome to another edition of Security Clearance Podcast. I'm Frank Rizzo, in for Lindy Kaiser. Joining us today is Ron Gaete, former military combat documentation and production specialist, currently working public affairs for the Internal Revenue Services. Ron, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Frank. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. So you were you were former military, and now you work public affairs uh, for the IRS. And uh, you had kind of an interesting transition between the uh, the military career into the civilian sector. Yeah. Actually, that's that's accurate. Um, I was a combat documentation and production specialist while I was enlisted in the Army. I did seven years on active duty. Um, and the job was essentially documentation and production, like the title says, which is photo and video production of deployments, training, and things like that. And basically the eyes on the ground for commanders who can't be out in the field. I, I compare it to cops versus... CNN. We weren't really telling stories. We were just on the ground with the camera and then uh, bringing back a product. When I saw that the public affairs specialist position had opened at IRS, I applied mainly because there was a need for bilingual uh, Spanish language speakers, and I met that criteria. I applied, and it went fairly... uh, it, was, it wasn't as smooth as it could have been. Part of the, the irregular was the hiring process. It, it was 2012. It was an election year. So there were a lot of variables that factored in that I didn't understand. And not knowing how to navigate uh, USA Jobs and the federal hiring framework was, uh, was its own challenge. There's challenges even when you're not going to go into a, a government job. Just to be a former military and, and have that structure in, in the skill set that you have uh, been trained for for so many years, then to kind of turn the faucet to stop that and then come into the civilian sector. There, I mean, that's a, that's a weird transition. And you had uh, contributed to clearancejobs.com and, and written a, a blog post for them on the transition. Can you kind of explain the process of that, Ron, and then kind of elaborate on how uh, there are tools out there for former military to succeed in the civilian sector. A lot of the points that I hit on during the transition were kind of trying to equate military service with federal service. The parallels are there, but it is not at all the same. There's There's a misconception that a lot of service members that are transitioning can make a fairly seamless transition into the federal side by virtue of being veterans. Uh, That is inaccurate. Uh, What is in place is what is called veterans preference, where certain veterans uh, meeting certain criteria will be awarded points, which are tabulated along with resume, work experience, the interview itself, And all of this is calculated and looked at. And if it's myself and a civilian candidate uh, and I have an extra five-point bump, that's going to favor me. It comes down to a numbers game in the end. Um, In terms of matching up skill sets, there's not really a lot that is – there's not a lot to be guessed. The the military training system – is geared a lot like college, if, if you look at a lot of the uh, schools that are out there, where you can train for six weeks, but if you're in class six hours or six days a week for 10 hours a day, 
that's 60 hours compared to your average 15, 20 hour course load for, uh, for a regular college course. So the, it's just compressed and it's accelerated and, and it works. So the knowledge and the, the baseline is there. Um, but there's a lot of struggling with employers don't really know what veterans can bring to the table. They, they see somebody with maybe like a crew cut and that can run fast or jump high or fire a weapon, but they don't see uh, a leader with practical experience, you know, and a 22-year-old with in charge of five people. They don't see, um, you know, uh, a senior enlisted advisor that, that's essentially a CEO of a small company. Uh, and there's a lot of parallels to be drawn, and, and I think it's uh, – perilous is a strong word – but it's it's very uh, counterproductive for for employers to not inform themselves and educate themselves on the other skills that veterans can bring. Um, my case in particular was uh, I, I had I was very fortunate in that I possessed the language skill and the the hard skills in production that lined up with the public affairs side of the house at the IRS, but the uh, I want to say that it was uh, it was serendipitous. Uh, a lot of people work in one capacity while on active duty, pursue a degree in another specialty, and and go there. And they're still they they they're still assets that can bring other skills. So an infantryman can definitely go and be um, a project manager with no problem. But a lot of people just see the infantryman like, oh, this is what you did in the military, this is who you are, and, and fence you in. There's a lot to be said about overcoming this preconception. Basically what you're saying is that when you're going to apply for a job, uh, no matter what job it is, you kind of get pigeonholed uh, with your, your military occupation, and they don't see that uh, someone who's been an infantryman, as you, you said, Ron, they just think, all right, this guy knows how to walk for a great distance, shoot a gun, and uh, and carry things. In actuality, there's uh, there's more practicality in, in leadership and in, in responsibility. Whether you're 22 or 32, so how when you're when you're applying for a job, uh, writing a civilian resume, Ron, do you highlight those aspects of uh, your military occupation and, and translate those into civilian uh, workforce? The transition assistance program that. Uh all branches, I believe it's a DOD program. The Transition Assistant Program, or TAPS, is an invaluable tool for uh, service members that are transitioning. For me, it was a three-day workshop where we touched on resume writing, interview techniques, and skills kind of translation or skills equivalents. And it was great. It was, it was good to have that kind of drill and, and preparation where I can pronounce, I can say, hi, I'm Ron Gaete, I, I'm a combat documentation and production specialist, or I'm a camera operator with seven years of experience in the military, I've documented controlled and uncontrolled action, I've been in the field, I've been in the studio. So it, it helps to uh, kind of be able to break down what it is you can do and how it can add value to an organization versus the the classic military mindset of go out get the job done and that's it like there's no tooting of your own horn there's no 
patting your own back. And that's, that's a big, that's to the detriment of a lot of service members because employers are looking for someone to solve a problem or troubleshoot something or, or fill a gap. And if you as a service member aren't aware of the value you add in addition to your occupational specialty, then that's, that will definitely work against you. So you need to think outside the box in, in terms of wording a resume or how those skills that, uh, that you've developed in the military that you might take for granted can translate uh, successfully into the civilian sector. Things like logistics and project management or human resources, you don't have to have the title to be doing these things. The fact that I, I was in charge as, as a junior enlisted person, that I was in charge of a motor pool, I was accountable for the entire fleet of our you know, 200-person company. That's, that's a statement. That's a skill set that I can translate easily. Maybe the fact that I'm authorized to drive a, a Humvee in hostile terrain doesn't translate as easily to an office environment so I'll just leave that off. Pick and choose your skills that you've learned and kind of customize a, a resume to the job that you're applying for. So do some research and uh, and think creatively about uh, what your resume should say. That's correct. There's a lot to be said about research, especially when someone's trying to apply to a job that requires a clearance or a job with the federal government. There are many variables, things like what's going on in Congress. Is it an election year? Uh is that is my credit going to be a factor if I'm trying to keep my clearance? Because a lot of people incur debt in transitioning, or they'll they'll miss a credit card payment because they don't have a check, things like that. And it'll it will affect your credit and it will affect your clearance. And a lot of these things aren't shared. It's not common knowledge, but if you think about it, it, it makes sense. But because it, there's no one there to guide you and and kind of help you chart the path like there was in the military for all this time. It's very hard to deprogram yourself from that mindset where if I don't know, somebody else will know. I'll ask, and if not, then somebody will be there. There's a safety net in place. There's not once you transition from the military. And uh, a lot of it is, hey, you're on your own, but you're not. I mean, anybody that's listening now has me. You can follow me on Twitter at Ron is tweeting and I'll be glad to, you know, kind of dig through and and kind of understand and get in the weeds with all this stuff because honestly it's it's a moving target. The the hiring system and everything else, it's not one and done. There you apply to certain jobs, you need certain keywords, you need certain skill sets. You want to highlight these things. At the interview, you have to be aware if it's if it's a conservative agency like the Internal Revenue Service, you know it's going to be more of a suit and tie kind of affair versus if you're going into cybersecurity, you know it's going to be a little more skills-oriented and, and can you do the job versus the suit and tie, regardless of, of the, the dress code isn't as important as the skill set. So when it comes to applying, you, you, you do your research. Uh, there's there's help out there with the, the TAPS program that you had mentioned uh, earlier. So when you made that to jump from the, the military, run into the civilian sector and you, you went to the workshops and you, you did your research and you went through the, uh, the headache that was uh, applying for a, a federal job, 
you had to make some some tough choices uh, as far as following the the career path that uh, that the military had kind of set up for you. So, what was the the best advice uh, that you got from someone that really helped you along that path? You have to collect the dots before you can connect the dots. You have to know what you're applying to, what is specifically what agency, what skill set are they looking for. It's all in the posting, and that's that's a common misconception. It's like, oh, I, I know all these words are going to be in my resume, so I'm, I'm set. But spend an hour or two kind of understanding the job, looking into the minutia of the posting, getting a feel for who does that kind of job. A lot of research, a little bit of research goes a long way. Um, in my case, I understood what a public affairs specialist did because I attended the schoolhouse on Fort Meade, the Defense Information School, where military public affairs specialists are trained. Uh, so there were peers, colleagues, friends, classmates that had attended the training and we'd talk shop. I had an understanding. But that benefited me during the interview portion, not so much during the application portion. During the application portion, it was more about keywords, translating my skill set, leveraging veterans' preference. There are programs in place that, that are there so that the federal government can bring in new hires and kind of supplement whatever issues, whatever personnel needs they're having. Oftentimes, they go unfilled because people just don't understand what the programs are, how they work. So if, if I had to recommend anything, it's do some research, collect the dots before you connect the dots. A big thing that helped me out was a network, but a real network of people. Um, it's good to have 500 connections on LinkedIn. It's good to have, you know... XYZ friends on Facebook or followers on Twitter, uh, but it's really hard to get over that face-to-face -face kind of, hey, you know, let's grab lunch, let's grab coffee, let's grab a beer, and, and that face-to-face -face interaction, and you can really dig deep during these moments and, and understand, like, oh, so your agency operates in this way, and, you know, like, draw parallels and make comparisons, talk shop. And it's very important to have that network in place. A funny story, and, and we can kind of wind down. When I applied to my job initially, it was in 2012. It was during election season. I presented myself to the interview and successfully managed to make myself the most desirable candidate. This was late October. November 5th was Super Tuesday of that year. And then November 5th at about 3.34 a.m., I received an email that the position had been canceled. So I went to the interview. I rocked the interview. I was selected as a candidate. Then the position was canceled. Politics, it's this whole, it's, it's a constant movement of things. It's a constant reshuffling. When I saw that the position had reopened two years later, I re-interviewed, and one of the original panelists, from my first interview was actually there and happened to remember me and my name and my face and just my resume and my skill set and was actually a very, very vocal proponent of bringing me on because I had already been awarded the position previously.
but through no fault of anyone's, was it rescinded? You know, you never know how these things work. You go out there, you meet people, and then you, you know, everybody, everyone's a, everyone's a connection, and you're a connection for everyone. So it's it's crazy that it happened like that, but that's the way the the world works, and it, it's invaluable to have that network. So a network research, it sounds like a little persistence and a whole lot of patience is what it takes to make that transition from military to civilian life. That sounds accurate. Yes, that's that's exactly what it's going to take. Ron, we thank you for joining us on our podcast for the clearance jobs uh, today. We wish you much luck in the uh, future. And uh, if you have any more questions about the military transition, check us out to clearancejobs.com. There's a lot of advice and uh, news on there. And you can actually go back and read Ron's posting about military transition assistance, uh, mastering the basics. Ron, again, thanks for joining us today. 